0: Welcome to a new episode of AI Chats, a podcast series produced by the law firm of Haynes & Boone and lawyers from its AI and deep learning practice group to explore the exciting, ever-evolving and occasionally controversial world of artificial intelligence. My name is Eugene Goryanov, and I am a partner in the Chicago office of the firm, and I'm joined by some of my distinguished colleagues, including Dina Blikstein from our New York office and Brett Bostrom from our Dallas North office. Today, for our latest episodes, we're going to talk about Gen AI Wars. Um, over the past year, AI tools have become, uh, they've been released to the public in waves, demonstrating AI's impressive and often amusing abilities. Uh, OpenAI released ChatGPT Chatbot and DALI Image Generation Engine. A few months later, Google released its ChatGPT competitor called Bard. Amazon released its AI tool called Code Whisperer, designed for developers to generate source code. Many other companies are jumping on the bandwagon. Uh, all are trying to gain positions in the new and rapidly evolving AI market. But before we get into the discussion, our standard disclaimer this podcast is for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be legal advice and does not establish an attorney client relationship. The topics we discuss are subject to change. Legal advice of any nature should be sought from your legal counsel. All right. Now that we've gone through the introduction, Dina, why are we seeing this incredible rise in Gen AI applications?
1: No, Eugene, I always love when you start the podcast with a quote from one of our articles. So this particular article that Eugene quoted was published in IP Law 360 uh, about two weeks ago. But going to Eugene's question. Well, AI tools have been developed for a for variety of applications, including natural language processing, image analysis, medical diagnostics, and financial market predictions. Uh, Gen AI applications in particular, such as ChatGPT, BARD, and DALI, are particularly appealing because they can be adopted and used by practically any industry. Uh, with Gen AI, one can delegate customer-facing tasks, for example, uh, pre- such as preparing speeches, uh, writing emails, and even generating code, source code, and painting. Um, you can also try to vary the tone of the output, uh, if you like, of any of the email or your speech. Right. It's, it's essentially like having a Wikipedia at your fingertips where you can not only look up the content. But also generate a rough work product, right? In all, Gen AI tools can be used in, in a variety of industries to save time and also reduce overhead on mundane activities, such as fixing fixing customer-related problems at call centers, writing email, emails, summarizing articles, creating slogans, and creating applications and the like. So because there are so many different use cases for Gen AI, we are seeing this incredible rise in different types of applications and also more and more people in various industries that, are, that want to use them.
0: All right. Well, sounds like there's a lot of players in this Gen AI application space. I mean, are all of these companies competing against each other? Brett, do you want to take us
2: there? Yeah, they're starting to. Uh, until just a few months ago, this Gen AI space was more research focused. It was like nonprofit or quasi nonprofit organizations. For example, OpenAI started primarily as a nonprofit, um, and then shortly after it started releasing its first generations of generative AI, it started taking in more money from the private sector. <clears throat> and uh, you know, fast forward to today, and now they've made a ten billion dollar deal with Microsoft to integrate its ChatGPT engine into uh, Microsoft's Bing. Um, and then, similarly, Google has a number of research-focused entities that have been focused on deep learning. And now, Google, you know, coinciding with the release of GPT-4 and ChatGPT, Google has released its BARD as sort of a competitor. And that sounds a lot more like conventional big tech competition rather than this more research focused uh, nonprofit like activity that was going on before.
0: Okay, big tech competition. That smells like a lawsuit. Dina, what do you think?
1: Um, I think uh, we will see lawsuits coming in the future in the IP space, though we're not quite there yet. Um, there is a number of losses that are popping up in, with the startups in the natural language processing space, but I haven't seen really big companies going at it yet. However, it's, it's coming. So when uh, we were writing our article, we did a lot of researching on the, what type of patent applications are being filed with the patent, with the patent office in this gen AI space. And what we saw in around 2016 to the 20, to 2019 timeframe, there've been a huge uptick of uh, patent applications being filed with the natural language processing and machine learning technologies. And it, it essentially went from fewer than 20 that are being filed in one year in 2016 to almost 180 in 2019. Now the filings have come down since, but they have not come down substantially, right? But what that tells me that the patents, been, the, the patent applications that were filed in uh, from 2016 to 2019 have uh, issued into patents or about to be issued into patents. So as more and more companies are using Gen AI, there will be definitely competition for the market share. And uh, if you look forward, say, probably five to 10 years from now, there's going to be AI wars where the companies will be litigating uh, these patents.
2: All right, Brad, you want to give us some more information about patent litigation here? Yeah, you know, I I agree with Dina. We haven't seen uh, a massive wave of litigation yet, but certainly with the increase of patent filings, that's a signal that tech companies do see an opportunity to commercialize and they see that there's something worth protecting. The litigation that we've seen so far has primarily been by non-practicing entities against large tech firms like Amazon and Google uh, for Amazon's Alexa assistant and Google's home assistant. Um, But, you know, we haven't really seen big fights play out between the competitors themselves yet. uh, And we'll just have to wait and see exactly how that pans out. One interesting note here, um, OpenAI, which is one of the biggest players in developing kind of the under-the-hood under uh, generative AI tools, they don't seem to be filing any patent applications. I spent a good amount of time looking to see uh, if OpenAI or some subsidiary had uh, patent applications, and they seem to think there's other ways of, of protecting their intellectual property and restricting access to their tools. Um so it it seems like what we may see are uh is litigation in the specific integration, how these chatbot tools are used in uh different businesses. Um so I, I think that's where we're likely to see litigation is uh patents that are a more high level, how these chatbots are used, as opposed to the under-the-hood specifics of large language models and uh transformer neural networks and Uh, things like that. So, uh, you know, as industry interest and investment dollars continue to increase, as we've seen, we can expect that the competition and tension between these larger AI players will also increase. Um, We'll see what these patent applications that are being filed and granted, uh, what they yield. uh, And uh, there might be kind of a mix of litigation, trade secret, uh, copyright, to, you know, terms of service, all all sorts of different kinds of litigation that could come out of uh, of of this recent wave of generative AI.
1: And you know, just following a lot up on what Brad said, even though OpenAI does not appear to have filed patent applications, well, first they may have filed them as non-published, right? But even if they have not,
2: definitely, uh, yeah.
1: I've, other companies, right, such as uh, Microsoft, Salesforce, um, IBM, and Oracle that are heavily investing in this space uh, have filed patent applications. So I think it's just a matter of time as the, until we see uh, IP litigation in this space.
2: That, that's definitely possible, yeah. All
0: right, well, both of you have mentioned the prospect of litigation. What about anything currently going on?
1: Well, there are Gen AI litigations that are currently going on, not necessarily in patent space, but definitely in the c- copyright space. And, you know, some background to this, um, all these Gen AI models, they need huge amounts of training data to be trained and to work and to generate a right result. Right, so for example, if it's like a Dali type of model that can generate images, it needs to be trained on both text and images. Right, models that generate source code need to be trained on source code. Right, models that can create poem poems again need to be create need to be trained on poems and books and all other types of text and the like. Right, so. An issue with all these models comes down to training data and where can I get this training data? And how do I, how I can use this training data in the model? Well, this training data may be copyrighted, right? So some companies will pay for the copyright, right? And if, for example, if it's a copyright of an image, I don't need, I can't have one image to train the model. I'll need millions of images. So getting and paying for this training data may be quite a cost-prohibitive task. So, for example, there is a lawsuit that's going on right now between um, Getty Images and Stability AI. Now, And this lawsuit is going on on both sides of the ocean, both in the United States uh, and in Great Britain. So Stability AI has its AI model, that it trains on image data, right? So where did they get these images? Well, they scraped the web and a lot of Getty images, something to the tune of 12 million images were on the web. So Stability AI essentially used Getty images of which were on on the web, but also in the Getty images database and had copyrights of millions of authors, as part of their training data that is uh, be, that, that has been used to train their model, right? So of course, this resulted in a lawsuit, both by Getty Images and also by individual authors, because it appears that this that the Stability AI used all these images without that permission. Now, this is probably is the most high profile case right now. But at the same time, considering how AI models need training data and that this training data needs to be acquired from somewhere and there may be companies who are not really willing to pay for it. I think this is just start of copyright, potential copyright and trademark infringement litigation that we may see in the next few years to come.
2: And, you know, adding on to what Dina said, Another instance where this isn't really litigation, uh, but it, it could spark some litigation. Stack Overflow is a popular site for computer programmers and software developers, which gives them tools and example code and uh, just some information. And uh, it's, a, it's a forum and resource for programmers when they're building their applications. Um, they are now going to start charging these AI companies for using their training data. And they're looking at pricing and uh, they might take a page out of Twitter's book and other big companies that have specific pricing models for their analytics data. You know, Twitter, I think charges companies tens of thousands of dollars a month for access to uh, you know, for, for, for um, analytical access to all of its tweets and, they might do something similar and uh, we'll see how that plays out if the AI companies accept those terms or if they try to find a way to uh, use that training data without paying up.
1: Yeah. So what I'm also seeing now and you know, as part of uh, ways to mitigate the risk, um, the AI companies who generate the models, they don't want to be the owners of the result that's generated by the models. So, for example, if I'm a user and I want to generate an image of our purple dragon, right? Um, the, and, and I want to use DALL-E to, to do it, for example. So DALL-E, by the virtue of me using its model, would contractually assign the ownership of this purple dragon to me. They want, they want nothing to do with the ownership of the content that's being outputted by the model. And part of it is also one way to almost try to preempt litigation for um, copyright or trademark infringement in case a very similar image of this uh, purple dragon has already been generated and is is copyrighted by somebody else.
0: See, I love the discussion where the moderator can just sit back and the participants lead the conversation themselves. Um, Look, this is a great conversation about litigation and such. What do you think the government is going to do?
2: Right. So there are a few signs of what regulation might look like in the, in the future. The white house has released a document called a blueprint for an AI bill of rights. And this is sort of setting the stage for future regulation. The document itself doesn't have any legal teeth. It's a non-binding document that lays out some principles and things to consider, uh, but it does get specific in its examples of where um, AI can run into uh, individual rights and it might have other public welfare implications. And so they're trying to get ahead of that and establish a regulatory uh, system um, where we can anticipate some of these things and and try to mitigate any risks. Uh, Another interesting thing here is Uh, OpenAI and Microsoft have been sued under the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, the DMCA, uh, because of this tool that was a partnership between OpenAI and GitHub, and it's called Copilot. And it's sort of an AI-powered code writing and bug checking tool, uh, if I understand correctly. And the users of GitHub are suing because, you know, this this tool is being trained on the data that they provided to GitHub under an open source expectation. And now that OpenAI and GitHub are are commercializing this feature, it's sort of lost its open source uh, appeal. So uh, we'll see what kind of regulation comes out of this. You know, a lot of the regulation might still fall under traditional like tech regulation about privacy, data security. Um, And so those will still be in play. And those might also help set the framework for some of the regulations. But uh, certainly some things, some issues with AI are unique to AI. And there will need to be more tailor-made regulations about uh, consent. Do you know that you're dealing with an AI chatbot versus a person? Do you have the ability to opt out and talk to a human being uh, representative if you don't want to deal with with a chat bot. Um, These are are things that they'll have to suss out in the near future.
1: Right, also when um, the White House AI Bill of Rights came out, so something that resonated with me, it had um, AI bias and uh, discrimination sections. And it seems that at least legislatively, uh, the White House and also Congress to some extent, they're, they're recognizing that AI uh, can be discriminatory and it can be biased uh, almost by the virtue of the of the training data that it's being trained on. So, and this can, this can come across, for example, in employment, right? Where AI is being used to interview people where all of a sudden it's uh, unintentionally discriminated, just discriminates just by the virtue of uh, its training data against people of a certain color or people of disability, right? So there seems to be a recognition that, um, there can be discrimination and bias in AI. And it seems like the White House was almost cautioning the companies to look into this and try to affirmatively uh, preempt or reduce discrimination and bias in AI as a way almost uh, preempting or uh, giving a heads up that, yes, there may be civil litigation, but uh, that the government would also be watching.
0: That's a great conversation, and it sounds like this is just the tip of the iceberg, something that I hope we can explore in other episodes of AI Chats. And with that, I would like to thank our guests and listeners for joining us on this episode of AI Chats. You can find this episode, as well as all of our future ones, on major podcast platforms such as Apple, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Amazon. Our podcast and relevant articles about AI topics are also located at the firm's AI and deep learning practice page, which can be found at haynesboon.com. Our practice page also contains contact information for all of our lawyers in the practice group. Please feel free to reach out to any of us with suggested topics for future AI chat sessions. Take care, everyone, and thank you.